Hello to you and welcome to the weekend edition of Coin Market Recap. It's Connor and Molly Jane here with you to chew over some of the week's biggest crypto stories. How are you, Molly Jane? I'm fine. I uh, I'm good. I've I've been up all night and I'm in an airport. <laughs> Besides that, I'm great. So if you hear a little ping boom in the background, that's <laughs> that's that's why. <laughs> Because yep. Molly Jane's got planes to catch. I got places to be. Places to be. Where are you going? I am going to Rome. So, any of our listeners out there have any Roman recommendations? <laughs> you can t- tweet us. <laughs> well, the one recommendation I know is that if you want an authentic Italian restaurant only go to somewhere that kind of like opens for dinner at like six o'clock because generally the places that are open all day tend to be tourist traps and don't try and order a cappuccino after 11 a.m because they may murder you (laughs) i'd like to come back in one piece so yes i've taken note of that thank you okay you're very welcome coin market recap so without further ado then let's talk about some of the stories that you've chosen and we're going to start with celsius now nearly four weeks now since this crypto lender halted withdrawals and said sorry no one can take the money out they blamed extreme market conditions but it's also fair to say that they were in some financial jeopardy um and they actually most likely didn't have the funds to honour withdrawal obligations. But there was a pretty significant development this week, wasn't there? There was. And what's ironic is I sent you a message earlier this week asking you to explain it to me because (laughs) I didn't understand it. And then now I shred up a little summary and it's like, I kind of get it really almost. So what happened? So, This week, if you were on crypto Twitter, you were seeing tweets often that were saying Celsius has paid off X amount of its maker known, and now this is the new liquidation Mm -hmm. price. And then Celsius paid off even more of its maker known loan, and this is the new liquidation price. So without getting into too technical of an explanation, because that is outside my abilities right now, uh, Celsius had a lot of money tied up in maker as collateral which means that it put a certain cryptocurrency down a large amount and it got a small amount of a different currency out as a loan. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So with crypto loans, generally they have to be over collateralized. You need to put up more money as collateral than you're actually wanting to borrow. It's like me going to Molly Jane and saying, hi, I will give you $2,000 worth of Bitcoin if you lend me $1,000. And of course, the reason it's over collateralized is because the value of cryptocurrencies can go down, can go down quite a bit. We've seen how uh, Bitcoin's now down by about 70% from those all-time highs that we saw in November. And by fully repaying this loan, Celsius can now reclaim $440 million worth of collateral in the form of wrapped Bitcoin. And then subsequently, it will be able to, you know, sell those off over the counter or get some liquidity. So my question is, 
does this seem like a happy ending is now on the horizon for Celsius Network? Do you think this money would be enough for people who were customers of Celsius to get all of their money back? Well, you have to take a few things into account. The first thing is that as far as I understand, Celsius paid off $183 million to get $440 million back. So you're looking at actually $440 minus about $180, which is mm. not as big of a number. The mm. second thing to note is that Celsius has been relatively silent about this. They have mm. made very few public pronouncements since they paused withdrawals, mainly to say, we are working on this, we are doing our best to make everyone whole, and we're trying. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have not said anything publicly right now about what this money could potentially go to. The third thing I was going to say is that Sam Bangman fried who has been a sort of, I don't want to say Robin Hood because he has a little bit too many monikers right now, but he has been mm-hmm. uh, very interested in acquiring crypto lenders that are having issues that have gone under in, in some way. Plus, we have seen news articles that are publishing alleged reports that Sam Bankman-Fried has decided not to acquire Celsius due to a $2 billion hole in the books. We don't know if this is true. There has been no blockchain evidence or wallet analysis that has shown this to be the case in any way, but it is just mm-hmm. something to keep an eye on, especially in light of Celsius's silence currently. Yeah. Um, and... With Celsius, yes, they haven't been very good at giving regular updates to people on Twitter. But I think that all of this on-chain activity that's been going on behind the scenes is kind of helping to show they are trying to work things out, I guess. And, and it does it does take time to kind of get things organised. Just incidentally, Molly Jane, with Voyager Digital also filing for bankruptcy protection this week. Um, there was one particular line of that that kind of caught my attention because they they suffered losses of $650 million that they'd loaned out to Three Arrows Capital. They've now gone into a Chapter 11 bankruptcy process, which involves reorganizing uh, finances and debts. And the line that got my attention was the fact that customers who have crypto in their accounts at the moment would receive some of that crypto back alongside any proceeds from the recovery against Three Arrows, Arrows Capital. Remember that they owe $650 million right now. Shares in a newly reorganized company after this Chapter 11 bankruptcy proceeding and Voyager tokens. So in actuality... It's possible that people who have crypto in their accounts at Voyager will get cents on the dollar and a few other things in an attempt to make them whole that doesn't really make them whole. So could we see something along those lines with Celsius, maybe? I mean, I wouldn't rule out the idea of Celsius coming out with some sort of payback token Mm. that they would give to people. It seems like companies really like to do that. I would not be happy if that was what I got in exchange for my Bitcoin or even my dollars, because some of these lending protocols had uh, some fiat, although I guess it mainly really was stable coins and other cryptocurrencies. No, I would not be happy. I would not be happy at all. The one that reminds me of is, um, was it Unus said Leo? And was that after the, that was after the Bitfinex drama, wasn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. It'd just be interesting to get an announcement from Celsius on, you know, either confirming 
this on-chain activity and, and, and kind of give us an, giving us an explanation of what happens next. Uh, but in the meantime, let's talk about some other things. And on the face of it, this just doesn't sound like a crypto story. And you're going to you're going to kind of look at me and go, huh? why are we talking about this? And this is Boris Johnson resigning. So, of course, he was the UK's prime minister, came in 2019 on a wave of optimism that he was going to get Brexit done, that he was going to take the country to new heights. He was dealt a bit of a rotten hand because COVID came along, which meant that the government had to focus on COVID. Then there was the issue of the cost of living crisis more recently and what's been going on in Ukraine as well. But in a nutshell, um, what led to his resignation this week was the sudden departure of a number of key government ministers, one of them being Rishi Sunak, who is the Chancellor. And he announced very, very abruptly that he was quitting the role, citing that he had fundamental differences with the Prime Minister on certain policies, and that he was deeply unhappy with Boris Johnson because of his involvement in a number of scandals, one of which was the fact he was holding parties in Downing Street while there were all sorts of coronavirus restrictions. Now, the reason why we're interested in this is because Rishi Sunak back in April had said that he wants the UK to become a global crypto asset hub, that the UK would legalise stable coins as a form of payment and recognise them effectively. And he wanted to improve regulation he wanted to improve regulations and he also get the Royal Mint, which issues all of our coins, to release an NFT. Based on your understanding of all of this, Molly Jane, is there a worry that with Rishi Sunak out of the picture? we won't see these crypto-friendly policies happen. So I was listening to this podcast earlier this week, and you played a clip. Yeah, uh, uh, You played a clip from someone British that was saying that uh, the UK at this point might be so far behind in crypto regulation, it could never, Mm -hmm. ever catch up. Mm -hmm. And... My first thought when I heard that was, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. A few countries have said that, and they said it a few times. And it's beginning to feel a little bit like a platitude. You know, lots Mm -hmm. of countries are, you know, issuing papers, forming working groups, uh, talking about digital non-blockchain-based currencies in the future. There have been a few pilots of these currencies. Obviously, there have been countries like El Salvador. But I think that I think that the UK is no further behind or more ahead than anyone else. Everyone is just in like a swampland of crypto regulation right now. There's no clarity. There's no there's really there's nothing going on. There's no nothing. So I think that this could be a step back, but it doesn't bring it back further than anyone else, I guess. Yeah. And that British guy you're talking about there that's that's philip hammond who also used to be chancellor just like rishi sunak did and he it's quite interesting with philip hammond because he years ago many years ago was saying that he was quite a fan of bitcoin and quite liked cryptocurrencies and i get what you're saying about we've seen these warnings time and time and time again the thing that i think he's trying to hit home on here 
is the fact that if the UK wants to be a world leader in this and be the place where crypto companies come to set up shop, the UK needs to move with a matter of urgency because right now the UK is not the most attractive jurisdiction to set up a crypto company. I'd probably argue Switzerland is or perhaps the Bahamas, which is where FTX is based. Um, it's not the UK. And so he he's really banging the drum for us to kind of get our heads together and get some rules down. I know you hate when I say this, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, there's no government. <laughs> yes, well, we will have to wait and see. And what's going to be interesting is now we're in the process of finding a new conservative leader who will end up most likely running the country until we're due to have another election in 2024. And it's potentially possible that Rishi Sunak could be the next prime minister. He may throw his hat into the ring. However, I personally would have thought that Rishi Sunak would have potentially been in with a very good chance of replacing Boris Johnson as prime minister. But a couple of months ago, he had a scandal surrounding his tax affairs. He's a very, very wealthy man, as is his wife. And it emerged that his wife had a special type of tax status, which effectively reduced her taxes in the UK, which isn't a good look. So I think that might have damaged him now. People have such short-term memories. (laughs) That's another thing you say. (laughs) I'm going to get a little soundboard with all of your slogans and I'm just going to play them with some dramatic music in the background. (laughs) I already have my own stickers on Telegram. I should also have my audio attached to them. I I completely Mm -hmm. agree. Well, time will tell on whether you get those. Um, Okay. A sad story now, Molly Jane. And Facebook's finally, finally given up on Novi. And also, we've given up calling Facebook Meta. I realized all my <laughs> notes for this just say Facebook. <laughs> well, you see, this is this is a this is a journalistic thing. But I, I, th- I still think that if you went to many people and said, "What is Meta?" They would go, "Huh? I don't know." And it's. Obviously, I think many people who listen to this podcast will be aware of Meta is, what Meta is. But just generally speaking, I try and do Facebook on the first mention and Meta afterwards. Um, but yes, the the Novi digital wallet is dead, dead as a duck, isn't it really now? It is. And so I tried to write up a timeline of what <laughs> Facebook slash Meta has done. Yes. With its ideas. And I definitely have done this in the wrong order. And I've conflated wallets and coins. But basically, mm. ignoring all of those inconsistencies, it was Libra, and then it went to Calibra, and then it was Diem, and then there was Novi. So it was a stable coin with a basket of foreign assets, and then it was a stable coin with one asset, and then it was a Paxo stable coin, and then it was a wallet, and now it's gone. Yes. Um so the the one thing I'd say is you were absolutely spot on with that. It was Libra and Calibra that were launched at the same time. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. like they were launched together. Like Libra would be our stable coin and Calibra would be the wallet. But anyway, apart from that, you were absolutely right. And um, the um, what what has been happening with Novi 
up until very recently, is that a pilot project was taking place across parts of America and Guatemala. Um, and if you were using WhatsApp, for instance, you would be able to send someone USDP, which is the Paxos dollar, um, between wallets. But now Novi customers are being told that they've got to withdraw anything that's in their Novi wallet and get it tr transferred to a bank account by the end of the summer. But this is a really important caveat and a big but. This doesn't mean that they're completely abandoning digital wallets, does it? No, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg said some things about meta going ahead with the metaverse, and there will be some form of digital wallets in some way, somehow mm -hmm. attached to that. Yeah, so this was a statement that he made Actually, in June, um, when he was talking about Facebook Pay being rebranded to MetaPay, and he said the project, he said the product would include a wallet for the metaverse that lets you securely manage your identity, what you own, and how you pay. And he confirmed that this wallet would support all sorts of digital items that might be of use in the metaverse, which Meta's building, things like digital clothes and art digital videos, music experiences, virtual events, and more. And he said proof of ownership will be important, especially if you want to take some of these items with you across different services. I guess what we don't know, though, Molly Jane, is whether or not Paxos Dollars will be featured in this digital wallet or whether it's just going to be things like NFTs. It was such a random choice. Like, mm. Paxos, why not? There's so many stable coins. Anyway, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to introduce a, a a fine every time you say that now. And You're going to find me what, one Paxos stablecoin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna demand a drink every time you say that, and then the next time we see each other in person, I'll have a free night out. I'm, and I'm so will the entire bar. <laughs> We're cantering through this, ladies and gentlemen, because Molly Jane's got the next leg of her epic transatlantic <laughs> tour. But we did want to mention before we go, a crypto skeptics conference that's being held in September. And it did make me laugh when I initially saw this Molly Jane and I wanted to write about it because... You had Bitcoin 2022 with like this massive dramatic volcano and all of this glitz and glamour and excess. And I think this particular crypto conference is going to be very different, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. Um, they've invited all the crypto skeptics. Uh, it's going to be held, I think, uh, somewhere abroad, right? In London? Somewhere in Europe. It's in London. And yeah. it's in London. Yeah. So you could go. <laughs> yes. Maybe you should go. Um, and they've invited policymakers and Amy Castor, who's a very outspoken crypto skeptic, independent journalist, wrote a whole blog post about how it's so important that the policymakers shaping the future get to see the crypto skepticism side. She did end that she's not sure she can attend because it's too far away, but <laughs> she is one of the organizers. Yes, and David Gerrard's involved as well. We've had him on the show before, um, along with people including the Financial Times journalist Jemima Kelly, who's written quite some rather funny takes on crypto and the problems that it has. Um, and 
things that they want to discuss include cryptocurrencies' impact on the environment, celebrities who endorse digital assets, and the connections that have been forged between football clubs and crypto projects. All very good topics. Um, and how involved are people like David Gerrard and Amy Castor in the kind of the 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 crypto community? Because of course you and I are members of the Association of Crypto Journalists and Researchers. Like, have they gotten involved in groups like this, for instance? Well, when we founded that nonprofit almost, actually, yeah, almost two years ago, mm-hmm. um, some of the founding members knew them online. And so we have a Telegram group chat that is very active, and it's been active this whole time, full of crypto journalists and researchers. Uh, we're not all crypto lovers or crypto obsessed, but that's our job. And so it made perfect sense to include crypto skeptics like David Jordan and Amy Castor in this Telegram group because we wanted their opinion as we started to create this nonprofit to support people doing research on every aspect of the crypto industry. I think that they lasted, Amy Castor, I think maybe lasted a few days. David lasted a little bit longer. Mm. Um, They had, from what I remember, absolutely no appetite for open dialogue. Um, if you know me outside of this podcast, you know that I actually am a pretty big crypto skeptic. I am one of the most skeptical people probably that works at CoinMarketCap on the crypto industry. Um, and it was a shame that they weren't able to have any sort of conversation with any people that covered crypto in any neutral way. They only wanted to cover it in the negative way. So they... It was people were very quick to be offended. There was no room for opinions on anything but the fact that crypto was evil. And if you wrote a story about it that said anything good or anything that someone else said that was good about it, you were basically the devil. And then they left our group chat, and I have not spoken to them since. You so. see, uh, I've got to say, both David and Amy have done some excellent reporting, especially on some of the scandals we've we've had recently they really dig into the weeds of what's going on and the stuff is genuinely worth reading um my and i wrote about this in our newsletter i i did a bit of a chin scratchy muse about this earlier this week and my argument molly jane was these and i i i said this bitcoin 2022 is problematic because it's all about the good of Bitcoin without addressing in a clear-eyed way any of the challenges. All you get to hear is how awesome Bitcoin is. This crypto policy symposium is going to be equally problematic because all people will hear at this conference is how evil and downright nasty cryptocurrencies are. So really, the only cryptocurrency conferences we're getting right now are ones that are incredibly polarised. They either think that crypto is the saviour or crypto is the devil, like you just said. There's no conferences where there's a middle ground where, you know, people come together and look at the pros and the cons. They look at both sides in an even-handed way and talk to each other respectfully. And so I just feel it's a disservice for any crypto conference not to look at both sides. Do you know what I mean? I, I definitely know what you mean. And, and for 
a myriad of reasons I've been to something like four crypto conferences in the past four months, which I will not be doing again. And the one thing that has been a common theme is how how many like-minded people you find at these conferences. And at the, at the same time, how little anyone actually attends any of the conference uh, panels or discussions that the conferences are really moving towards or have always been, and I didn't notice, all about the networking, the side events, et cetera. And so you have the Bitcoin 2022 conference with 70 panels about how great Bitcoin is, when there's a party after with free drinks where everyone keeps talking about how great Bitcoin is. I'm, I'm afraid that this crypto symposium will be the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, low attendance of panels, high attendance of people sitting in a pub saying how right they are about how crypto is destroying our planet. It would be so great if we could not get even a conference because like I said, I see a lot of problem with the way crypto conferences work, but just get like a party. We need like a skeptic versus crypto lovers party. <laughs> That'll descend into a brawl, Molly Jane. That, like, <laughs> chairs will be thrown. That is a bad idea. I mean, I, as long as there's no alcohol involved, I think we can get the skeptics and the enthusiasts together. Uh, but yeah, I'll just end by talking about this quote from Amy Castor, who's involved in the event, as we've said. And she said this, and I found it quite interesting. The, the voices of crypto skeptics are getting louder and policymakers are listening. And it is she is right to point out the, the fact that when it comes to what politicians are hearing about crypto, often it's um, lobbying groups and crypto companies with interests who are putting forward their arguments, not necessarily people who have really scrutinized cryptocurrencies and blockchains and have come on the other side of things and are against it. I, as I said before, I am all for scrutinizing as much cryptocurrency as possible from every angle. I just also think you can acknowledge when it does something good. And I've, I haven't seen that from them, even though they do amazing work on reporting all the times it's done something bad. Yeah. Well, that's all we've got time for. Molly Jane, thank you so much for being with us. Of course. I, um, I don't think I've ever recorded a podcast in the middle of the night before, so... I like it, but let's not do it ever again. Let's not do it ever again. I think that's fair enough. Well, that was the weekend edition of the Coin Market Recap Podcast. Thank you for listening, and please do leave us a review if you like what you hear. You can find me and Molly Jane on Twitter at Molly J Zuckerman and at Connor Sefton. And I will be back with all of your news on Monday. Have a good weekend. Bye bye for now.